Good morning, lovely to be here and thanks for joining in at home. It's great that you've tuned in or whenever you're going to be listening to this. So, this week me and Adam had our jabs. Yay! Jab number one done. And we were fine apart from so arm and very vivid dreams. The first night I dreamt there was a polar bear in our house, not in our house, in our garden. And then the second dream, Adam turned into a Toby jug. <laughs> so yes, apart from that, we're all fine. We're all fine. So this morning, what we're going to be looking at is the Great Commission. And we have been doing our series, The Journey to the Cross, all over Easter, leading up to it and just after. And so now we're looking at the, the Great Commission, which were the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So if you've got your Bibles or your apps or whatever, or the verse is going to be on the screen. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. So this now is Jesus with his 11 disciples. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. That's a great promise, isn't it? We are never alone, he is always with us. And so before we dive in and unpack some of these verses this morning, I'd like to share a little bit of my own journey to faith, because I believe that when we um, come to know Jesus, or when we're exploring Christianity, or when we're finding out about faith, more often than not, there have been a person or persons who have been instrumental to us in that journey. I know of very few people who've had a divine encounter or a supernatural experience where they have, one minute, not known who Jesus was, don't really know much about God or the Bible, and then all of a sudden, they come to a knowledge and come into like saving faith. And so I know there have been people who have perhaps been in a hotel room all alone. They've reached into the drawer and pu pulled out a Gideon Bible and they've dusted it off and they've started to read through scripture and they, ex they find out who God is and who Jesus is and why he came and they've started their faith journey and they come into this amazing sort of relationship with Jesus through the scriptures and that's amazing and wonderful. But in my experience, and most of the people I know, they would have had a, a, a praying grandmother or a, an uncle or a brother or family member or a minister in the locality or somebody in work or a friend in school or uni who would more often than have not have told them about Jesus, invited them to church, invited them to a social and that type of thing. And so I'm just going to share a little bit of my own personal journey of how I came to faith and um, then we're going to explore some of these verses. So, the church, isn't the church an amazing invention? We are God's church, we are God's family here on earth. And when you consider how this amazing, powerful, dynamic church started, it all started from a small and persecuted group of believers in first century Palestine. The church now encompasses, as we know, millions upon millions of people, and it is growing all around the world, and more so these days during the pandemic. 
And so this is just my little story, just little old me from South Wales 40 odd years ago and how I came to know Jesus. So I wasn't brought up in a particularly religious home. I wasn't brought up in a Christian family. I wasn't sent to Sunday school or anything like that. We didn't have prayers at home or read Bible stories at home or anything like that. We would, my family were wonderful, but that wasn't just part of our experience. It was a friend up the road, a family friend, who began to collect me on a Sunday morning and on a Thursday evening and take me to Sunday school and Band of Hope. And I was about three or four at the time, and faithfully this lady would call and collect me, walk me to the Sunday school, which, by the way, is a stone's throw away from Evan Roberts' house, the great revivalist, because that's where I was born and brought up and raised, was in Lacha, just a few miles down the road here. And so I would go along and we'd sing songs and we'd have Bible stories with the little felt men, uh, the little figurines on this like little chart, like a little sketchboard. And we'd sing, and then the best part of the morning was when we'd have a glass of squash and a biscuit afterwards. And then on a Thursday night, we'd go and we'd sort of uh, have fun and games and quizzes. And so for me, church was a very positive, happy experience. And I met some wonderful people who really helped me in my journey to come to know Jesus finally at the age of nine. Then we moved to a town called Llanelli, which was a bigger town than the village I'd been brought up in. And so I started to go to the Sunday school and the kids clubs in that church. It was called the Evangelistic Hall. And us ladies and girls always had to wear a little beret to go into the chapel. And we had to wear skirts and it was a lovely, lovely atmosphere and the people were wonderful. And I can remember again going to Sunday school and then the best part was being picked up on a minibus and taken there and brought home. And, when, and the guy who drove the minibus was called Die the Bus. And he was a lovely guy, always teasing us, always having fun with us, always telling jokes. And that was the highlight, was going on the bus with Die and uh, seeing all your friends and messing about and having fun. And then when we get into the church, we'd have the stories and the songs and the memory verses and the quizzes. And then we'd have a little bit of refreshment. And then we'd break into groups on a Sunday. So we'd have our corporate gathering where we'd have stories and songs. And then all the different age groups in a hall, about half the size of this, would break up into little classes of age groups. So I was about nine at the time. And we had just done the Easter story. And my Sunday school teacher, Gillian, who worked in Boots the Chemist, uh, but was the minister's wife, was taking our little group and she explained the story in great detail, but in a very childlike way for us. And she said, do you have any questions? And so even though I had been brought up since about the age of three in Sunday school and chapel and really loved the stories and heard about God and all the rest of it, it wasn't until about the age of nine that the penny dropped and I can remember being in this class and really having like the revelation of why Jesus came to this earth, why he died on a cross, how he rose again. And it was for me. It was for me. It was for me. Little old me, the naughty girl from up the road. And that was like a revelation. It was for me and for you. It was personal. 
God is personal. He loves us. He wants us to come into a friendship with him. He wants to forgive us for all the things that we've done wrong so that we can walk in this life in peace and joy and healing and grow in the knowledge of who he is and live for him and have experienced his Holy Spirit within us and see great things happen and have the hope of eternity in heaven and all the wonderful things that are to come. And that was the day that I had my encounter with who God was why Jesus came, and I needed to do something about this. It wasn't just about listening to stories and singing songs, but I had to do something. I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. And so we got on the bus and we went home, and then I remember going into the house. It was Sunday. My mum was cooking the Sunday dinner, and the smell of gravy was in the air, and I ran upstairs to my room knowing that I just had to do this really important thing first. And so I knelt at the side of my bed, and I prayed in a childlike, sincere faith, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me for all the things I've done wrong, help me to live for you, be my guide, my father, my friend, my leader, and from this day onwards, I give you my life. Amen. And I was waiting for something to happen, like, you know, angels to start appearing outside my bedroom window, or a crash of lightning, or something. I was just waiting for something supernatural to happen. But nothing happened as such, apart from this deep peace that all of a sudden just ascended upon me and was, like, within me. And that was amazing for me, because... I'd grown up in a home where my grandparents lived, and at about the age of three or four, my grandmother became unwell, and so um, she had esophageal cancer, and she was sent home, and we had the bed downstairs, and she like lived in the parlour for a year or so, and I can remember being exposed to this, thinking there was this woman who was like this amazing, industrious, energetic, kind, loving, fun grandmother who used to teach me to sew, and teach me to cook, and play hopscotch in the garden, and teach me to skip, and teach me to do gardening, and read me stories and all of a sudden she was like this different person because of an illness and I can just remember thinking well as a child I was very fearful and very anxious about death and illness and sickness and thinking well what if that happened to me and where would I go and where do we go when we finally leave this earth and I can always I always felt anxious about illness and death and when I became a Christian at the age of nine and said this simple prayer to Jesus sincerely that peace that filled me sort of subsided all of those fears and I can remember feeling well even if I do die now or I do get sick I know that where I am going is going to be a wonderful place and so I don't need to worry anymore and that has stayed within me all of my life and so then we um, used to go to a summer camp every year. We'd have girls week and boys week. And it was a whole week of being submerged, immersed in worship and teaching and fun with all the people around me who also knew Jesus. And for that week, I would come home and I would feel almost perfect. I would feel good and clean and wholesome and holy and I used to feel wonderful. And then after being home for about a day, you know, the first argument with your mum or, you know, the first annoyance from your sibling or the first, you know, thing that happened in school, you know, it all sort of dissipated and I was back to be, being me again. But those 
foundational years were really important and it was a time where I felt I grew and was sort of becoming a disciple of Jesus because I was learning and following his ways because of many people who were instrumental. The lady at the road, a family friend, the minibus driver, the Sunday school teacher, families in the church who would invite me and my sister back for tea and, uh, you know, really take us under our wing and care for us and chat to us and offer to pray for us and all these things. And so that is just a little bit about my journey, about how I became a Christian and how I found Jesus. And so um, then it seemed to have like a rippling effect. Oops, sorry. And then I started to invite like my grandfather and my mum to the services or to the church or to some socials that we were doing. And they would come and meet sort of my friends in the church. And this rippling effect, I'm so grateful to say, you know, enabled my mum and my grandfather and an uncle and others in our family to find Jesus for themselves. And it's all because of the influence of these people in my life. And then just recently, a a dear family friend, Antonio from Spain, had become ill and he was quite elderly. And so I knew I had to go to see him, having not any English and me having very bad Spanish. A friend in the church, Gemma, helped me to formulate a prayer so that when I went to see him, I would be able to pray with him and talk to him before he departed. And I got that opportunity, getting on a plane, going to Barcelona, going to the nursing home where he was, sitting with him, chatting with him, praying with him, praying over him. And then three days later, he passed away. And I just remember thinking he was a non-practicing Catholic. And I just hope and pray that that prayer really kind of went in and he said, it in his heart for himself, which I really believe he did. And so these rippling effects in our lives from our own experience of coming to faith and coming to know Jesus are very powerful and instrumental. And we then become that link and that instrument in other people's lives as we witness for Jesus, as we explain to people why God sent his son to this earth so that he can have a relationship with us and we can be forgiven. And I think now with COVID, we can sit back and think, oh, it's a bit difficult now to share faith and invite people to church and we can't do evangelistic services and we can't have socials and we can't do this and we can't do that. And sometimes we feel, well, how on earth do we get the message out there? But actually, have you found that in some ways, shape or form, even though things have changed drastically, the fundamentals stay the same. The fact that God loves people and reaches out to us And God can use technology as much as he can use a social gathering in somebody's home or in a church building. And so I believe this year, as we would all probably agree with, it has created a huge amount of opportunities more than ever. Just a couple of weeks ago, a friend on Facebook, who I didn't really know that well because she changed her maiden name, so I didn't really quite know who she was. You know, sometimes the profile picture, you can't actually tell who they were. So this is going back 30 odd years ago, we were friends in school, and she liked one of my posts, and I commented on one of her posts, kind of vaguely remembering who she was. Anyway, it turned out she was like posting something about her her father passing away, and so I'd comment, and then I saw the picture of her dad, and then I clicked who she really was. And so we got chatting then privately on Messenger for about an hour and a half, just about life and where you work and what you're doing now, blah, blah, blah. And then we started talking about church and I started to invite her and and then she said, oh, she's going to look at the services online, she may be even listening today. And I just think, oh, this season has created more opportunities. And the good thing is when people watch a service or something online is they have a, you know, a degree of anonymity and they can just sit there quietly and, you know, see what's going on and suss it all out 
before they kind of commit to anything. So in some ways, for many people, that is a really good thing. Okay, so before we just have a quick look at these verses, I was reading a couple of articles this week. And in the Telegraph, it was saying, there has been a 50% surge in online searches for prayer as people turn to religion to cope with the feelings of anxiety and hopelessness that new research has found during COVID. Last year, the share of Google searches for prayer surged to the highest level ever. In times of crisis, humans have a tendency to turn to faith for comfort and explanation. Bible app downloads shot up last March. Two million times the English language Bible on Google Play was installed. Online UK Christian bookshop Eden saw their physical Bible sales rise by 55% since the pandemic hit. Online engagement with church services is also becoming uh, booming, and we ourselves are seeing people and the views, like 350, 351, you know, 350 people watching us as a device, watching our services. And so there is, you know, a huge expansion of people's interest in Christianity and faith. HTB, which is Holy Trinity Brompton in London, and did anybody join the Nicky Gumbel uh, chat and course on Thursday. It was so interesting and so lovely. What a lovely, humble guy. And so since lockdown, HDB has been seen double the take-up on their alpha courses, on their online alpha courses. Amazing. And Nicky Gumbel himself said, I have never known a time in my life when people are more open to God's word than they are now. And so it's amazing, isn't it, really, to think that we've been in a global pandemic and yet so many people are coming to faith, are interested in faith and have come to faith. And so it's been a season, really, of, like, you know, casting out the net and people coming to Jesus. And so that's a great thing to celebrate. So the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is actually a command of Jesus to be obeyed. God's love is expansive and universal. He loves the whole world. John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so God's love is for everyone all over the world and we've seen that during covid that this love has been shown across the airwaves. And so, number one, what do these verses mean? Well, it doesn't mean to say, oh, shall I, shan't I tell people about what I believe? But it actually is a command from Jesus to go. You know, we might not need to go across the water, but we can certainly go across the street, across the classroom, you know, and across Zoom or WhatsApp or Messenger or whatever, and we can still talk to people, explain what we believe, invite them to online alpha, or, you know, when things get back to normal, then you can, you know, start coming along and meet this and meet that, and it'll be great to have opportunities to do those practical things, sorry, again. Number two, it demonstrates Jesus' power. Pray for people's needs, pray for healing, deliverance, prophecy. Jesus worked miracles, the apostles worked miracles, and everyday Christians are used by God to still work miracles. I was reading this week in an article, church history doesn't record a time when miracles ceased. Christian history is the history of miracles. Why should it stop now? And so as a church, as we continue to pray for people, let's continue to do that and not hold back or stop. 
Miracles are not fireworks for super Christians. They are signs of Jesus' saving power meant to draw attention to the most important message in the universe, that Jesus died and rose again to save us from sin and judgment, to bring us forgiveness and into a relationship with God, to give us holy um, peace and hope and healing. And third is to be baptized. Baptism doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. Jesus forgives us. But baptism is kind of like an outward sign of what's taken place on the inside. In some ways, it's symbolic, and it's a great way to witness to our friends and invite people along to something that is really special to us. And people love a good baptism. Can't wait for our baptisms to start again, whether it's here in the tank or um, in, in the sea, wherever it is. These are great opportunities. We are identified with Jesus. We kind of go down in the water. We leave our sins behind. And as we come out of the water, we are reminded of the new life and the cleanliness that Jesus gives us. He kind of washes us clean. We are a new creation, etc. And finally, go and make disciples. To encourage those to decide to follow Jesus, to teach them, to be an example to them, to show them how to follow Jesus, teaching them the ways of God, Jesus' advice and his teachings, how to pray, how to worship, how to read your Bible, how to put God first, how to apply God's word in your everyday life. Taking up our cross daily, forgiving others, allowing God's word to transform us from the inside out, to heal us, to help us to live each day knowing we are never alone. And so I just want to finish by reminding us of the end of these verses. Jesus says that he is always with you. I am always with you. And sometimes when we look at these verses, we can feel like a pressure of, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not a teacher, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. How do I tell my friends? But it's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit in and through us. And so that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? That is, yes, it is about us sort of, you know, making that first step. But Jesus gives us the words to say. He gives us the opportunities. He does the work in people's lives and hearts. Sometimes we are just that link in the chain or that sort of... Um, you know, extended hand to people to come to know Jesus. So I want to encourage you this morning be to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, to seek out opportunities, to go and make disciples, to go and tell others about your saving faith. And this week I went for a little walk and um, I went to Lacha, which is where I'm from, and I just went for a little walk around the estuary and past Evan Roberts' house and just contemplated some things. And I just said thank you to God for that place and that time and those people that he used as instruments in my life to finally come to know Jesus myself. And this morning, there may be people in your life or a season where you were on your journey of faith, maybe a very early day, the days. And so you know, if those people are like still here, still alive, still around, I'd encourage you to maybe drop them a text or pop a note through their door just to say, you know, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Thank you for inviting me to that meeting. Thank you for inviting me back to your house for tea that day and that chat we had. Just to thank them and to thank God for them as well. So why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you so much for each and every person in this room, how you have orchestrated things and put people in our lives to convey and to explain and to communicate your love, your purpose. And I thank you, Jesus, for everybody who's listening online today, that you would reach into their hearts and souls and minds and draw them to you, 
that in these uncertain days we can live in peace and assurance, knowing who you are, that you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, you died on the cross, so that we can have all of those things that we've done wrong forgiven. We can give you our lives. You are the best person to trust with our lives. You are amazing. And we thank you, Jesus, for all you have done. Pray for each and every one of us that you'd fill us afresh, Lord, right now with your Holy Spirit and your presence. That as we go into this week, whether it's working from home, whether we're having meetings on Zoom or physically coming into contact to two meter distance with people, that you would give us those opportunities to talk about you, to share your love in practical ways, to be an example and help us, Lord, as those who know you, to continue to become your disciples to continually learn and model and learn from you and become like you, Lord, even with our thorns in our flesh and the warts and all. We just thank you that you love us and your love is never-ending and you are always with us, even unto the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen.